Elena, welcome to your not so anonymous journal. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, this is like a couple months in the making where you were like, Sarah, you should do the podcast. And I was like, I'm going to get there soon and you're going to be on. And here we are. Absolutely. I'm so excited that you've gotten the ball rolling with it. You're crushing it. It's, It's really awesome to see. It's really exciting. Yeah, I think it's cool because I truly and I know I said this to you like the other day. I just I was so surprised when I was like, when I get DMs of people being like, that episode was so good. I'm like, you actually took time out of your day to listen to the episode. Like that means the world to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool when like, you know, something that you're passionate about that, you know, resonates with other people and they can also hop on and be like, yeah. And then it fuels you more. That whole idea of like your work being receptive and received well. Yeah. And I think this episode is going to be super receptive and received well by a lot of people because you're a health coach and you specify in like a really specific part of it as like your frontal aspect of health coaching, which is like the emotional side of things. So why don't you start with telling us how did you get into health coaching? I got into health coaching. um, I feel like it was a long, a long, weird road to it. Like I didn't even know it existed to be totally honest with you, but I had been describing a job position that was like a health coach for years. <laughs> and then I figured out that there actually was something that existed like that. And it was called health coaching. Um, so I'm really into psychology. I'm really into like human behavior, the way people's minds operate, their emotions, the emotional root behind their behaviors. Um, and I really felt like there was, especially in my own life, specific times where emotional issues like for example a really painful breakup or you know my parents getting divorced or even like a fight with my sisters like something caused some sort of physical manifestation of illness or pain that actually was rooted in something that happened emotionally I feel like that's you know an experience that a lot of people can relate to so I tried the way I got into health coaching was trying to figure out a way to bridge, you know, the idea of eat healthy, take care of myself, live healthy habits, but also like there's a lot, it's a huge deeper thing within what health is. So I got into health coaching because I, I wanted to bridge that gap between what is, you know, the emotional root of how we, pro- how we like live our lives and how that affects you know, in turn our health. Yeah. Were there moments in your life where you started to notice that there were like these negative reactions that you would have or that you would feel really triggered about something and you were just like, I don't know why I'm having these reactions or why this person just triggered me or I feel really angry when, you know, I see something that I don't agree with or anything like that. Like, was there moments in your life where that happened? Yes, totally. But to be completely honest with you, I wasn't aware. I wasn't, I didn't have like the awareness to be like, oh, why does this make me angry? Or like, why? Like, I was not inquisitive about what was actually happening, but I can absolutely confirm that things would trigger me so hard that I would be in a state of like, you know, nervous system activation for a few days from, you know, like a fight or, 
getting annoyed at someone and just feeling anxious for like days and like not knowing how to get out of that and not knowing the repercussions of living in it. That was, that's huge. Yeah. Was there like a moment when you were like, I'm really interested in figuring out how I can be better with this? Probably because I assume it was manifesting in physical ways for you as well, where you were just like, that's it. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Uh, The culmination was like serious health issues, um, which I feel like is usually what happens for, you know, a lot of people. But for me, yeah, the moment where I was like, I need to figure this out was after a really painful breakup and seeing my body collapse in different ways. Like I had gut issues. I had menstrual issues. I was anxious all the time. I had headaches all the time. I was tired all the time. Like couldn't sleep. There were so many physical symptoms that weren't going away and weren't resolving themselves. And, and, you know, I was doing, I felt like I was doing all the things and like, it wasn't, nothing was really working. Everything kept coming back. All my symptoms kept coming back. And so then it was like, you know, a connection point where I realized this is clearly connected to the way I'm feeling about life and myself. And, you know, all, no matter what supplements I take or how many different doctors I see, it's, it, it comes back to, you know, me, that's where, that's when I drew the connection. It was like, whoa, this emotional stuff is causing all of this stuff. Cause every time I get stressed out, I have some sort of flare up. Every time I get you know upset, I have some sort of issue or symptom arise. And I feel like for me, and you know this story well, but it's like my moment for when I was like, okay, I need a deeper understanding about less of the external stuff of the people around me and the things that are triggering me around me. I need to figure out more so of what's going on internally because when you know my thing in college happened and I went so many years without talking about it and I went so many years just being like, I'm okay. It's not that bad. Like I'm still living. I'm still in school and like, okay, now I graduated and now I have a job. Like now I just, you know, broke up with my ex. Like that was a good thing for me to do. And like, now I have someone new that I really enjoy. It's like, I still found that I was having crippling anxiety in moments where it was just becoming super debilitating in my day to day where I was like, I noticed that I'm searching for happiness in my job in my relationships, in my friendships, in going out and like things like that to the point where it was like, I was just ignoring all of the internal signs where my body was like, something's fucking wrong. And we really need to start talking about it because it's not going to get any better if I don't. And it took me, gosh, like four years to actually like get the balls to be like, okay, I'm going to invest into a therapist and I'm going to find somebody that I really enjoy talking to. And I'm just going to start there. And when I did, I mean, it was almost immediate in the first couple months when I was like, I feel so much better mentally and like physically, I feel really good. And I just feel like everything in my life started to like feel a lot better because I had a lot of inner peace that I was finding and my anxiety was decreasing. But it sucks that it takes so long of us just dealing with physical manifestations of like gut health problems or, you know, um, fatigue or like not feeling energized in the morning after like a good night's sleep and things like that for us to finally be like, I'm sick of this shit. And I'm finally going to figure out like what's going on. It's so important that you say that because like, for me, it was not, you know, a year or two years and then like a light bulb. This is like my entire life, like the way that I was raised and the way that my family is and the way that their parents are and their parents and their parents. And this is like definitely seated in 
patterns and habits and ways of living that uh, most of the time are unconscious to the point where I even see like videos and stuff. I always like bring up memes and videos and stuff because the algorithm knows me. They always send, they always put, you know, the perfect things in front of me. But one thing I, I recently saw, it was like, um, it was like, you're either a stomach ache girly or a headache girly. Like, which one are you? And the fact of the matter is like, I mean, it's hilarious because like, we all know that so many girls are either like, oh, like my stomach, it's like acting up or it's like, I have a headache. It's like literally you're either one, a stomach ache girly or a headache girly. But the truth is that like, you don't have to be like, you don't have to be either one. And the fact that if you like, just end up accepting your fate, it's like, yeah, I'm a stomach ache girly. Every time something, you know, I eat something that doesn't agree with me or every time, you know, I get upset about something, I, I have stomach problems, like I'm a stomach ache girly. It's like, no, you don't have to be like, your life can be different. <laughs> Literally. And I was just li- listening to a podcast uh, episode today and this guy was like, I felt so defeated in all areas of my life. He's like, but I knew like, I didn't have to be the broke, miserable of mentally unstable type of person and just like the victimized mindset where everything in my life is bad but that's just because of how my life is and you know shit sucks right now and like you know what it is what it is that's who I am like this is how how I react to things this is how I manage things in my life this is how I deal with stress and it's like you don't have to be that way you know like it and I think do you feel like the part that gets people the most or like makes people push it off or suppress their feelings or their emotions or their trauma is the fact that they know that it takes a lot of work? I don't know. I mean, I think maybe partially, I think a huge part of it is the familiarity aspect of it. It's like, it's really uncharted territory, especially if you've never been shown how to, you know, move through emotions in a different way. Um, And it's more, I don't think it's, I think the majority of people like want to do the work to like expand themselves and be better humans. I just think that it's really scary to be like, you know, that's uncertain and unfamiliar. This is it. If I just keep doing what I've been doing, even though it's causing me a stomach ache or a headache or anxiety, like I'm, I know what that feels like. And the brain, you know, wants familiar experiences because it thinks that that's what keeps us the most safe. And evolutionarily it did, but like, you know, at this stage, there are some things where we really can shift things in order to optimize the way that we function. But to answer your question, yeah, I feel like it's more of a a comfort thing. Even though it might be unhealthy, it's comfortable to stay where you know something, what you where you know what it's like. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I feel like growing like us, like with social media becoming more prevalent, it's like almost you're like an outcast if you're the one person out of everyone that you know or people that you see or your family, uh, to be the one to say, I'm not okay. I have a lot of issues. I need to figure this out and I'm going to go on this healing journey because truth be told, how many times have, has someone tried to go on a healing journey of their own to emotionally and mentally like repair themselves and people disagree with it. They don't like the change that they're seeing in the person. And it almost becomes this, you know, I, I want to say like bullying factor of being like, well, I don't like who you are anymore. Like, what do you mean you don't want to go out with this anymore? What do you mean that you cut out like dairy and like sweets and, and things like that? What do you mean? Like, you know, you're going to go and meditate in the morning. That's so stupid. Like, I just feel like social media places such a lameness on wanting to heal yourself. And I don't know why that is, but I feel like that's the stigma. And it just sucks to see because how much better would someone feel if they 
could just black out the noise and just like wipe that out and actually just said, fuck it, I'm going to focus on myself. It's so funny. My corner of social media definitely doesn't villainize the healing journey, but almost, I mean, because I, I feel like it's so attuned to, you know, what you follow and like that kind of stuff. But mine definitely, you know, mocks it a little bit. Like it, it definitely pokes fun at all the stereotypes and of healing and like, oh, so yeah, now you're going to drink lemon water in the morning and you're going to feel so good and try and get everyone on your lemon water train. And like, you know, it, it pokes fun at it. But the truth is like, you probably will lose some some relationships and you will lose some aspects of the life as you know it when you embark on some sort of journey of expansion or transformation because a lot of the things that you have in your current reality are aligned to the version of yourself that you are now. So if you begin to expand and improve and you know tailor your interests towards well-being and what's you know currently in your realm is not that then you will begin to lose some things and that that can be painful for sure like you can lose friends and they might not understand or or you know be supportive because they're not there yet in, in their own you know experience and so it's something that you have to be willing to kind of just be like a neutral observer to across the board like all right if i'm going to do this like I can't attach to anything because, you know, if I attach to my alcohol habits on Friday nights, that's equally attaching to all the people I do it with on Friday nights. So, you know, if they're, if I decide to stop drinking as much, like, yeah, the people who I have fun with are going to probably push back a little bit. My question to you is like, what does emotional intelligence and stored trauma truly mean from your perspective? That's a great question. Um, emotional intelligence, I feel like, let's separate them. I feel like they're a little different. Emotional intelligence, from my viewpoint, is basically the ability to have awareness about and and awareness and ownership really over like what you're feeling at any given time during triggered states and like during happy states and when something pisses you off or when something lights you up, even if it's not something that lights other people up, like having ownership and like I want to use the word control, but it's not really controlled because it's more of a, like a flow, but really being able to own and have awareness around what you're feeling is what I think emotional intelligence is. And, and also have, I will say, control over how you act or behave accordingly. So we all know what it looks like when people can't control the impulses based on their emotional reactions. Um, and that would be a lower emotional intelligence or a lower EQ, they call it. So EQ is emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, stored trauma is, I think, you know, all experiences that we have end up training our brains and our bodies, therefore, to react to similar situations in certain ways to keep us safe or to like protect us. So stored trauma is like, the way that the body holds on to a reaction based off of an emotional experience, I would say. So like, um, let's say, for example, someone got bit by a dog and it was a really traumatic experience. Then the next time that, or the next time or throughout their lives, if they never, if they don't like address it and work through it, the next time that they see a dog, their entire body's going to tense up. That's what my idea of stored trauma is, the way that the body holds on to emotional memories or emotional feelings. Yeah, I agree. So how do you feel like they go hand in hand with each other? Mm. Good question. 
I think that when you have a higher awareness or a higher EQ, you're able to recognize what is actually happening in the body during emotionally triggering events. So the higher the EQ you have, the more awareness you have about your stored trauma. That's how I think that they go hand in hand. The lower EQ that you have, the lower awareness that you have, then the the less control you might have over when your body responds to some event that could be emotionally stimulating. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's even times or like people out there, and I'm saying this because I felt like I was one of them, where I didn't even know what emotional intelligence was whatsoever. Like, I feel like I wasn't even on the scale of negative or like not so great emotional intelligence to the point where I feel like I'm I'm pretty pretty good at it now. I've worked a lot on it because I feel like in college when I was struggling with trauma in so many different ways, it's not as though I was acting out in a way where it was negative. I was just my actions like showed differently. So it didn't and maybe this is like is emotional intelligence both like physical like uh, verbal and like physical things that you do. I'm not sure. Maybe you can answer that. But I feel like for me, I was never lashing out at people or anything like that. If anything, I never really tried to say anything at all because I felt like such a burden about my trauma that I would then just go ahead and make really poor choices. And I don't know if that was because of a lack of emotional intelligence or wanting to just feel something for once or like, I'm not really sure because I feel like there was not even a thought of like the way that I'm reacting to this is so bad. Like I didn't even have thoughts like that at all. I was just like drinking drugs, toxic acts that I could fix all the time, you know, doing whatever to stay busy. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're just like in the moment operating on autopilot, doing your best. Yeah. (laughs) You're not like, you don't have both the peace of mind to be like, okay, cool. So like, this is, this is my like destructive self-destructive era. No, you're like, you're like, I'm in it and I'm just trying to stay afloat and whatever makes me feel good is what I'm going to gravitate towards because this, this shit's hard. Yeah. And I felt like I went through stages too. It was like, I was at a point where I was on autopilot and I was like, I don't feel anything. So is emotional intelligence even there? There's no emotions, period. And then I felt like as I started to accept the fact that something was wrong because I started to have like panic attacks and because I would uh, be crying hysterically on the couch, like between classes, that um, I started to get angry. Like I felt like my I went from feeling nothing that once I started to open the can a little bit about like, okay, something is really wrong and you're not talking about it. I went up a level to like, I'm really pissed off and angry. And now that I think about it, when I go to therapy, I talk about this. We talk about this ladder of like safe fight and flight and then freeze. And now that I'm talking about it out loud, I feel like I was in a free state almost where I was just feeling no emotion and nothing, but I was doing a lot of shitty things just to cope for it. And then as I started to feel a little bit more and start to accept, okay, something is a little bit wrong, but I have no idea how to handle it. Then I feel like the lever kind of went to like, okay, my emotional intelligence is here because I'm aware of it now, but it's really shitty because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I don't know how to handle it. And it's coming out in ways of like tears, anger, calling my mom, being like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, like not wanting to talk to anybody. And then I feel like it like sat there for a couple of years to the point where it started manifesting in physical ways of 
anxiety and not being able to drive my gut health. I mean, we've talked about my gut health a lot, um, brain fog, things like that. And just not really having like the most balanced diet and just like, I don't know, just everything started to come about, but yeah, I feel like there was like levels to it of just like feeling nothing than anger and then finally getting a little bit better with it. Absolutely. Have you talked about like what happened, what your trauma, what you're referring to about in college on your podcast? Not yet, but it'll come soon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it'll just give people so much more of like just an idea of what the hell I'm talking about and why I started this. Yeah. Yeah. There is a question. And like the whole idea of trauma is interesting. It's like, it's relative, which is crazy. Like someone's trauma could be, you know, getting yelled at for the first time, like super intensely by a teacher in elementary school, like that could be traumatic, you know, but another person's trauma could be some gnarly physical abuse or like, you know, some sort of like abandonment, true, true abandonment. And like none of them on the spectrum of trauma, like none of it is like, well, you don't deserve to like work through that. That's silly. Like teachers yell at everyone. It's like, no, (laughs) everybody has their own experience of what made them start to question what's safe and unsafe. Um, so yeah, totally. I was just asking because I feel like maybe people listening are going to be like, wait, what, what is she talking about? Did I miss something? But okay. No one missed anything. <laughs> you haven't gotten into it yet, but one day, one day, one day you, you all will know the story. Um, but yeah, I kind of just refer to it as like the moment and everyone's probably like, we just want to know, like, hey, what's you know, the moment? You keep dancing around it. So when clients come to work with you, what are the like physical manifestations or like really just like the overall assessment of what you're noticing is going on with them and why they're like, I want to work with someone who can help me get through this. It's like literally so different across the board for everyone. Um, When I first started, I really saw a lot of gut health stuff. But I feel like that might just have been a way for people to reach out because the reality is like they might not have known how to articulate what what else was going on. Um, So, you know, gut health. Absolutely. Like if I mean, if you're stressed all the time and, and like chronically or you're, you know, really anxious, basically the body instead of active, instead of being in a, in a parasympathetic state, nervous system state where you're, in other words, rest and digest, where, where you're able to have like your body rejuvenate and like process things that are in it and like, you know, use things the way that it's supposed to, you're in an activated nervous system state or a sympathetic nervous system state. And blood flow is directed a lot more towards your brain, away from digestion, um, towards your extremities. That's why you feel jittery or tense or, you know, like in your head. Um, and, and digestion, excuse me, can be like one of those first things that's like, you know, either you release everything too quickly because the body is like, we don't have time to deal with this, or you hold on to it for too long and you're dealing with blow and constipation. Um, and so those are, those are like really common ones that people are like, I really want to get a hold of this. Maybe I should reach out, but it can manifest in so many different ways. Fatigue, like just like being people, a lot of people have reached out. I'm just always tired. I feel like I do everything right. Or, 
Um, you know, I want to, uh, another manifestation is like self-sabotage. Like a lot of people are like, I want to eat healthy. I want to take care of myself. I want to do these habits I've tried, but I can't like make it stick or I can't seem to do it. And then that's when, you know, it's kind of like a green light indicator to me that there's something deeper going on. Like what's, what's your relationship to change? Like what, what, what's going on? Why, why is the behavior not shifting? Um, So it shows up in a lot of ways digestion and and gut health for sure but it could be really anything like anything that someone is so uncomfortable with that they're at the point where they're like I'm ready for this to to be different I want my life to be a lot better than it is yeah and I think that it's so crazy because it really does sit with us for probably so much longer than we've ever realized for like however many years that it almost feels just like the general norm to feel like that in your life And I'll never forget, I was at my aunt's uh, like two years ago and her son, so my cousin had come walking in the door and he had just went to the doctors. And I was like, oh, why'd you go to the doctors? And he was like, well, you know, I've just been having these moments of I'll be at work and then all of a sudden my heart will start racing and then I'll see things like almost uh, like tunnel vision and I'll start to feel like his extremities, like everything starts to get like lit up. And the doctor basically said, this is anxiety. And it's funny because this was like the beginning of like my healing journey a little bit when I was like starting to get aware of that. And he was like, but I just don't think that it is like, I just, that doesn't really make sense. Like, I'm just like, I'm just stressed. Like I just have a high stress job. You know, he's out like working. He's like in, I can't think of the word. And I was like, but if you've always thought that the way that you feel is the norm, like, of course, you're not going to think it's anxiety because you don't know anything different. Like, all you oh, know, no. you just don't have a name to it. But then, of course, the moment it has a name, it gets super scary. But it's like you are dealing with a level of anxiety. But in your mind, it just felt like the norm for so long until that moment was like, I need to go to the doctors because I'm so sick and tired of feeling like I'm in fight or flight all the time. Like, I want to run from something or I want to fight something or I'm highly stressed. And you just like hit that moment but we've become so numb to the fact that we're dealing with all of these emotional and physical manifestations from stuff that happened to us probably all like a long time ago you know yeah it's so funny I have a similar kind of story or you know experience like that I remember the first time I recognized like what nervousness felt like and um it manifested in my stomach. I was like, I was like probably five years old and I played piano and I had a piano recital. And I woke up that morning with the like gnarliest stomach ache. And I went to my mom. I was like, I can't go to this piano recital. My stomach hurts. I don't want to go. Like really just like so confused about what was going on. And my mom was like, you know, those are nerves. Like you're nervous. Like your stomach is, is hurting because you're nervous. And I'm like, oh my God, like this sucks. And like, but I was like, this must be very normal because I still went to the piano recital. I worked through it, still pushed through it, you know? And so for the rest of my life, it, you know, up until the point where I really took a look at things, it was like, anytime something stressed me out and my stomach would tense up or, you know, hurt or whatever, I would be like, this is normal. Like, this is what's supposed to happen until you look at it and you're like, wait, is it like, do I want this? Is this what's supposed to happen? Yeah. It's like a sense of like being stuck there. And so like, 
as you're saying this. So if someone's listening to the episode right now and they're like, well, I feel like my day-to-day is fine. I feel like I'm fine. But then in the back of their head, they're kind of like, wait a second. I have had this like nagging, you know, every time, you know, I, you know, have dinner, I get a stomach ache immediately after first thing in the morning, I have this like this stomach ache that hurts, whatever. If they just are noticing now that they're thinking about it, like something is up. What do you feel like people that aren't aware of how emotional stress and trauma can manifest? Like, what do you feel like they should be on the lookout for to get a little bit more curious about? Absolutely. I think the first, the first thing that I recommend really to most people, no matter where you're at in your healing journey, or if you've begun, or you don't even have much to heal from, but you just want to live healthier is to start paying attention to your body sensations. So like start paying attention to your body, but like more importantly and more focused what it feels like in different moments. So of course, like after dinner, when, you know, you notice a stomach ache or whatever, and you're like, like literally label it in your mind as if you're like talking to someone else, like, okay, my stomach hurts, but more importantly, what does it feel like? Like, okay, my stomach feels tense or knotted or, you know, crampy or, you know, whatever. And once you bring the awareness to it and start to get really specific about it, you'll be able to kind of see a trend where are things like this happening more often. So when I go to take a test, I feel dizzy and my head is tingly and my hands are cold, like really paying attention to body sensations. When I get in a fight with my sibling, boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, dad, I, my face feels hot. I, my shoulders tense up. My hands are, are in a fist or um, shaky, or my heart is racing, really paying attention to what is happening in the body is the first way to bring awareness to this entire process. Yeah. So as you're saying that, and this just goes to show for anybody that's listening, how deeply rooted your body sensations and noticing when and where things are happening and getting curious about it, like how intense it can be. So I think we've talked about this, but when I go out to eat at a restaurant and this happens a good bit. I will have this feeling of wanting to throw up and I don't know why that is. I immediately get anxiety as soon as I sit in the booth or the chair or wherever it is. I feel a tenseness in my throat where it feels like there's something stuck there, but it also feels like it's just coming up. And I've never actually thrown up from this, but this has been going on for a couple of years. And this is something of one of my like anxious moments and just my anxiety that for some reason, I feel like I just can't shake. I've been able to like be able to drive in the car again, long distances. I've enjoyed it. Like things like that. I can, I feel like I got a grip on that, but this, I can't get a fucking grip on it for God knows why. So I'll never forget. I was on the phone with my mom and I was telling her about this about a year ago. And she was like, well, Sarah, if you think about what, cause I've always been like, why is it my throat? Why is it every time that I sit down to eat, my throat feels really tight and it feels like I'm going to throw up. And what my mom reminded me was that when I was born, I immediately had to go like undergo surgery and I had to be like in an oxygen tent for like two weeks straight. And I had to get my adenoids and my tonsils out immediately because I was born with an underdeveloped airway. So as soon as I was born and as soon as I came out the womb, I had experienced so much trauma just from like, I was what, two months at this eight, like point. 
Like I wasn't even aware of that I was even born, yet I had undergone all this trauma to the point where it's come with me for so long. And my mom was like, I wonder if when you get anxious, when you sit down to eat, if you're kind of like this stored trauma from when you were younger and all this stuff with your throat. And like, I've always had issues just with like breathing and things like that, playing sports that it manifests in that way. When I go out to simply eat dinner with my boyfriend, with a friend, with my family, and I could be in the most safe and comfortable environment, but that happens almost every time. And it's probably because it's been the last 26 years of my life that I've had all this like pent up trauma from the moment I was born. It's so, first of all, I'm so sorry that that happens. That's, it's like, ah, I feel for you. And that's not fun at all. It's not fun. And it's a really interesting lens to look at that through to say, potentially my anxiety shows up in my throat because I came into this world with an an obstructed airway or like some, some sort of issues with breathing. So yeah. It's crazy because you would never one want to be like yeah that's totally like some people might listen to that and be like that makes no sense but if you really sit back and think about it for a second that makes all the sense in the world you just have to believe like you just have to believe that stored trauma is an actual thing you know you have to be open to the idea that there is an intelligence which goes this concept is pervasive through you know holistic health you have to be open to the idea that the body has an awareness or an intelligence that, you know, should be honored and respected, even if the mind cognitively doesn't comprehend it. The easiest way to wrap your head around that is the idea of a cut. I cut my hand on glass literally last Thursday. It's been a week, so it's a lot better, (laughs) but cut my hand open on glass. And I did absolutely nothing to this cut except for cover it with a bandaid for a few days took off the bandaid and the cut is healed. Like there's not even a scab. The skin is back together. And soon enough, you won't even be able to tell that anything pierced and punctured the skin in the first place. That is something that I, you know, of course there are doctors who know exactly the processes of like what cells and antibodies and all these things go to the site of the wound and like the messages in the brain. But you have to respect that there is a a wisdom innately in your body that operates whether or not you understand what's happening or not and so once you understand once you are open to that idea you can say okay if i'm experiencing anxiety in my throat like whatever the reason is there's an intelligence there it's telling me something if i'm experiencing experiencing a stomach ache after um you know a fight with somebody or you know watching something that stressed me out on TV, there is an intelligence there that is something I should listen to and not push down, ignore, or tell myself is normal if it's truly like that uncomfortable and that unpleasant. That's such a great way. That's such a good analogy. At first I was like, where is she going (laughs) with this analogy? I was like, maybe a cut and like trauma, but like it kind of went that way. But that makes so much sense when you think about it. It's like, you don't know the science behind what is happening when you're healing that cut or that wound, but your body knows and it remembered how to do it. That's what it was born to do. And so whether or not you're involved or not mentally, exactly. it's going to heal itself no matter if you understand what's happening or not. Of course, there are doctors who understand the process of like a cut healing, but you know, more importantly, even though you know, doctors might know that, but they might not know yet 
the full range of what the body is capable of doing. And it's going to do it no matter if we're aware of it or not. So being able to respect that wisdom and say, okay, I'm experiencing some sort of symptom or signal and it's important to listen to because if it, if it was showing up, there's a reason it's showing up. It's not like my body is just like, you know, glitching. Like it's, there's something important it's trying to communicate. Yeah, no, 100%. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, so I want to bring this to a little bit more towards like when you are working with your clients and stuff. So you focus on four tiers that are important in starting from the emotional aspect of wanting to figure out what's going on and why you're feeling the way that you do. But do you mind just breaking down the four things that you focus on with your clients? Absolutely. So it's not in any particular order because it depends on the client, um, how we address it. But the four main pillars are the food that you eat, the things that you consume, the second being the emotions, the mindset, the third thing being the systems or the habits that you have, the routines that you have in life. And then the fourth being the maintenance and how you maintain the three other aspects during different seasons of life. So um, to break it down a little bit more, the food piece, like how do you nourish yourself? What are your stories behind nourishment? What is your experience with nourishment? Do you have, you know, any blocks around feeding yourself or, or things that you consume? Like a lot of times emotions are closely connected to food. And then the second piece, the mindset and emotions. Usually this one is, you know, again, different for everyone, but you're like, what's, you know, how do you feel about your life? How do you feel about yourself? Like, are you experiencing anxiety or are you experiencing stress or are you disconnected from your life purpose? Do you feel like your career is empty? And that's a reason why you're not motivated to take care of yourself. So that's that second piece. That third one, the routines and the habits that um, you use every day. Again, there's some sort of relationship here. If if what you're doing every day is not conducive to the type of person that you want to be, what is your relationship to change? Or like, what is the emotional root behind the things that you do, your, your behaviors, if you self-sabotage by scrolling on Instagram for three hours instead of, you know, going on a walk and you can't seem to get out of it. Right. And then, and sleep is a huge one too, for people. And then that last piece, the maintenance, it's like, okay, well, I got it down now and I'm 26 years old, but like, what if in like three or five years I have a baby? Like then what? I'm going to just start this process all over. So, or I move houses or I go through a breakup, um, really having the tools to, maintain those three other pieces um with this idea of self-sufficiency that's like i don't need to rely on external things i have the tools within my own life yeah i feel like that last piece is so important because healing is inevitable and i feel like honestly if we're going to be realistic it's forever like there's always going to be trauma traumatic things that come up or events that you can't really shake or, or things that you struggle with a little bit more than others but if you take the journey of healing seriously and if you're like I really want to get better you can work with people that have the tools that can help you be self-sufficient and be able to take care of it yourself so that you don't always have to feel like it's relying or being dependent on another person to help you feel better you don't, I mean, of course, like for me, like I've been with my therapist for a couple of years. I don't know how long I'll be with her, 
But for example, she's been out this past week and next week. And I've been going through a really hard time this week. But I was saying to my mom on the phone, I this is giving me an opportunity to use the tools that I took seriously when I decided to work with her and be able to work through it myself and just prove to myself, like, you've done so much work on yourself to the point where you can bring up these tools whenever need be, and that you can truly be independent and that you do have control over your mental health and your, you know, if any physical manifestations come up or anything like that, or if you're struggling, it's like you can work with people that can truly give give you the tools that help you become independent in the end. Absolutely. And I think that it's important to bring the concept of spirituality into this a little bit because in, in the sense that like we didn't we didn't like choose you know in my in my opinion anyway we didn't choose to like be born into this world to have just like the most perfect experience ever and the reason being because if we did we wouldn't be able to expand and evolve you know, as humans, like as, as people, if you had just like the most perfect life ever and you never experienced any sort of challenge or tension, then you'd probably stay exactly the same. There'd be nothing to push you out of that comfort zone. Um, and so any sort of struggle that you're going through is, I like to just say challenge is fertile. It's such a fertile opportunity to dive into yourself and like, see how strong you are and see like what kind of person you can become and who other who else you can influence and you know what you're actually capable of that's what challenge offers you the opportunity to do um so the work is hard but also the reward is 10 times you know what you put in so it's it's worth it and we all spiritually i believe we all came here to expand we all came here to be better than we started out as and we kind of need that tension or that um challenge to to elevate us there as the catalyst, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And so I want to start going into the Q&A aspect of this, where I've, I think I have five or six questions um, that I want to, we can do it kind of like rapid fire, but you can take your time with your answers. But okay, so how do you know if you're emotionally intelligent? How do you know if you're emotionally intelligent? It's a good question. I would say do you feel like you have self-awareness when things are emotionally reactive? Um, that would be a question to ask yourself to figure out if you feel like you're emotionally aware. Are you able to regulate your emotions or do you know what you need in times of emotional height? Are you able to empathize with people who are going through a hard time without immediately thinking of your own experience or trying to to change it because it makes you uncomfortable if someone's coming to you crying you know do, do you like create the space for them to cry or, or are you like oh my god stop crying like Jesus you're like freaking me out like you know like all of those things I think um, are connected to emotional intelligence so when you ask yourself how do I know if I'm emotionally intelligent it's like a piece of all of that where do I rate myself on a scale of one to ten of being aware of when something makes me super angry what am I able to like recognize my impulses or sad am I able to recognize my impulses to to do certain things and then of course those other things rate yourself on a scale of one to ten yeah I think also like what I got and I like a thought of is if you can like bird's eye view the situation for a second like if you can truly 
pull yourself out of whatever is going on internally or emotionally, if you can just get that power and like empower yourself enough to just realize, okay, wait, this isn't maybe truly exactly how I feel right now. Why don't we just like pull ourselves out of it and really just take like a safe look at what's going on. And cause you said before, like your prefrontal cortex is like off when you're going through something, right? Yeah. Your brain kind of like certain aspects go offline in order to pump more blood towards other areas of life or other areas in in your brain where your your brain's like, well, this is the most important aspect of life right now. Like, you know, screw digestion, screw logic. Like we don't need that. We need survival. So um, yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of, of the bird's eye view. That's, that's like the idea of objective awareness about everything. Like for example, um, I I love I love relationship problems because there's such a perfect avenue uh, to to dive into triggers like no one's going to trigger you more than your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. And um, it's like whatever you're upset about, like, are you really upset about that <laughs> or do you need something else? And that's that bird's eye view thing that you're talking about, being able to objectively take yourself away from the ego that's like. You didn't take out the fucking trash like you said you would. Or is it like, you know, a lot bigger than that? Like you want to feel supported or you want to feel seen or you want to feel held. Like what what is that, you know, that bigger piece? That's that objective awareness. I love that. Yeah. No, I, I love that too. Um, okay. So how do you deal with the situation where someone else is clearly triggered and doesn't know how to handle their emotions? I think that first, first and foremost is like you assess yourself. Like, you you know, the, the whole like plane thing where it's like, please just put your mask on before you assist your child. Like literally that, like, make sure that you're able to like, make sure that you're not gonna, you know, are you okay to like be here with it? Because if not, like you got to set a boundary, right. And be like, I can see that you are freaking out. I can't help you right now. So, you know, like being able to assess whether or not you want to get pulled into it, if you're able to stay out, able to like hold the space for them. And then of course, like really simple things. Like a lot of the time when we're super activated, we really just need presence from another person. So if somebody, if you're in the passenger seat of someone else's maniac experience of some sort of activation like literally like sitting with them sitting them down looking at them in the eyes like putting your hands on their hands or on their shoulders or on their knee like and don't move like just genuinely be there and just be like I'm here like I hear you and and be like the person who who's letting them know that it's okay that they can they can feel what they're feeling like I'm not trying to change you. I'm not trying to like, you know, get you out of it. I'm here. Like, let it run its course. We'll deal with whatever needs to come afterward. Okay. So how do I know if something that happened in my childhood is actually the root cause of my physical symptoms? How do you know something that happened in your childhood is actually the root cause of a physical symptom? Honestly, you might not. And it might not be super important, but... Um, maybe like whatever the physical symptom is, maybe that's the the first thing you like try and manage. But obviously when you're, when you're looking at the root cause, I would ask yourself like, where else do I experience this same physical manifestation? 
And if it all, if a lot of the time it points to some experience that reminds you or is similar to an event in childhood, like I'm, I'm thinking, I'll try and give an example. Let's say, let's go with the teacher yelling at you example. Let's say when a teacher yelled at you uh, in elementary school, you, you know, felt super sad. You got a stomach ache. You kind of went into freeze mode, your body tensed up. And then, you know, later in life, you're experiencing digestive issues. And um, anytime you're like stressed or you feel like you're not going to perform well, you go through this like tense anxiety experience. And then you kind of take an assessment and say, where else do I feel this way? Like, what are the times in my life do I feel this way? When I get in a fight with someone and they raise their voice, or if someone on TV raises their voice, or, you know, when I raise my voice, like, does my body do that same thing? When's like the first time I remember that thing happening? Um, And that's kind of how you might be able to connect. Oh, I associate when people yell at me that like, like freeze response or whatever. Um, because of that. That's that's pretty much the short answer. Okay. So what should I do when I get triggered or have an emotional outburst towards someone and then f- later on feel super regretful and mad at myself for acting that way? Take ownership. That is pretty much all you have to do. Take ownership. Fucking own it. Like don't make excuses and like play the victim and like do all this thing where you like go around in circles about how really it was justified. No, 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 no just take ownership. Like, Hey, Sarah, you know, when you said that thing to me and it triggered me and I went off on you, I recognize that that was wrong and I'm sorry. And I want to explain that I'm working through not getting triggered in that way. And, and that was definitely a lapse in my, in my journey of improving, take ownership and recognize that what you did was not the best version of yourself and and then have compassion for yourself because the fact that you have the awareness about it to get re- to feel regretful and to feel angry at yourself for being the way that you were shows you that you're expanding and to be able to forgive yourself and say yep this is the process of expanding sometimes i will regress and then other times i'll be slingshotted forward into expansion and that's okay and they still love me and it's all good Yeah. Uh, Forgiveness is so, again, something that I feel like is one, like, again, corny, but also very powerful because it's like, if you're not going to forgive yourself, you can't expect other people to forgive you. And so you'll always hold that like ball of resentment. Um, So the last question is, what are some everyday practices? I feel like we kind of answered this, but what are some everyday practices to get better at being emotionally aware and finding where my triggers are coming from? Everyday practices, I'd say obviously that first one is body sensations, bringing awareness to body sensations, being able to label them and like do it all the time. Like if you're having a conversation with a friend and something happens, like they say something or they bring up an event and you notice yourself getting tense or like talking louder or like your hands are like, you know, in a fist, like be like, to your friend, like if I'm talking to you, oh my God, Sarah, like, I don't know what just happened. But when we started talking about my ex, like my shoulders just tensed up and my heart feels heavy. And like, I think I need to take a break or something like, you know, like label what's happening and, and allow the other person that you're with or allow anyone that you're with into the experience by telling them what's happening in your body. Number one, number two, like find someone to work with They're They're, you know, I'm available for work. There's so many people that are available for work and doing amazing work with people, um, which really puts you on the fast track to 
understanding yourself and how to improve and and really get you to the place that you know you want to be I feel like something and I feel like you helped me out a lot with this was especially with me and Mike is talking to Mike about how I was feeling and also because I started to become self-aware of when I was feeling triggered you know whether it was in our relationship or whatever it may be telling him that hey when I isolate myself or when you see me with like my you know shoulders super down like my whole facial expression is different like telling him the awareness and the cues that I've noticed within myself when I'm feeling like I'm struggling or I'm pissed off or I'm isolating because I'm sad about something or I'm frustrated with something in my life, it allows that person who cares about you deeply to be able to be the safe person and the aware person in that moment to be like, hey, if you want, I noticed that these cues are happening within, you know, internally with you. Do you want to talk about it? And they can kind of be that safe person for you because you're allowing them through your self-awareness to be a part of the experience itself so that they can also help you work through it as well. Yeah, you don't have to do it alone. And the reality is that if you include someone else in your process, it's going to 10x your your experience because you're going to have another eye, another eye towards what's going on. And before you even go to the question of, well, I feel guilty. I don't want to like, you know, put that on someone. And it's like, especially if it's someone you love and who loves you, that is not a burden because you're including them in the process of your expansion and healing is also is a reward to them. They get to experience a higher version of yourself and they want that for you and for them. So like include them in it, you know, especially if you've got a significant other, make them very much a part of the journey because if you go through it alone, they'll feel like, you know, you're distancing yourself from them and and they won't get to reap the reward of you in in a higher state. So, and if you're someone who also feels as though like there's nobody that's going to, you know, be there for me or there's really no one that I feel comfortable with talking about this too, like Elena said, you can work with a therapist, you can work with a coach. And so what would be really cool is if you could kind of tell us like if people wanted to work with you or if they have an interest or they just have questions for you, what are like some of the services that you offer? And then like, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so absolutely. And also I want to distinguish, I feel like the the biggest difference between working with you know, a coach and working with me or sorry, working with a therapist and working with me or working with a therapist and working with any coach is that therapy is amazing for, for what it is talking and processing and bringing awareness to things. But oftentimes it does not give you the, the actionable tools about how to move through things or behavior, like how to actually shift what practices actually to do. So I think that coaching offers that aspect, but obviously most coaches are not certified therapists. So you decide, you know, what what you need and move from there. Also, a lot of the time you can create like a care team where your coach and your therapist work together to help you on the same, same path. I know I do that for a few clients. Then to answer your question about how to find me, reach out to me on Instagram um, or email. But Instagram is my first and last name, just at Elena Mandel. And then my email is elenamandel at gmail.com. So um, you can, you don't even have to say anything. You're just like, Hey, I'm interested in working together. Or like, what does this look like? Or, and we'll hop on a call. I always do like a 20 minute, 30 minute free call, um, for anyone who's interested in working together to see if we'd be a good fit. And then 
after that, you know, I, I pretty much offer session packages now. So you can choose to work with me for six, 12, 16 sessions and, and get it all at one time. Um, or you can just book it by the session, but I see the most positive results when people commit to at least 12. So 12 sessions is about three months of work. So 12 weeks of work once once a week. And um, that's that's the best because we can dive into each of those pillars for about three calls. So before we get into, Selena and I are going to deep dive into some emotions that I've been feeling, uh, you know, in the next couple of minutes, we're going to talk about it. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Literally, this has been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Love it. So proud of you. So I'm just going to read to you what I wrote. So I'll kind of give you some background context. So as you know, I got off birth control and I had a group of my friends come on or they, they got off birth control too. I feel like I started a whole movement, but basically my mom's friend can distribute like the Dutch test. And also she's like certified to do like the results and like tell you like suggestions and read the whole result paper and stuff like that. So my friends said they all wanted to do it. And so the total for the, cause I said, I'd get the details and I would let them know what the price was. And so my mom was like, okay, it's going to be $300 for the Dutch test. And then $300 for like the consultation and the results and like the reading and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay. So to, so I had, and I have like a whole lot of issues since coming off birth control, like birth control definitely fucked me up. So I had sent it to my friends where I was like, hey, guys, like this is all the details. It's going to be $600. Here's what you get. This is what the test tells you about. Here's some links to it. Here's some background, whatever. Basically, my one friend was like, hey, like I just don't financially like that's not something that can like fit in the cards right now. And I was like, no, I totally get that. And then my other friend was like, hey, like I just feel like I don't have enough, um, you know, symptoms or anything like that, where it feels like the investment, like it's worth putting that much money up for it. And I said, okay, I also get that too. I immediately got so triggered because, and I wrote this, I said, I feel reckless with my money and all the money I've spent over the years with business, because it feels like I'm super rash about what I do. And it feels like a waste. And it sucks because I could really use that money right now. And that's how I had like responded to when my friend was like, you know, I just don't, it's financially like not smart for me to like put that money up right now. And then I just like totally went and backtracked the last like three years of me being in business and was like, shit, like it would have been so nice if I like didn't spend $5,000 on that. It would have been nice if I didn't spend money on that. Like, I just feel like I've, I've always been super rash. Like when I, you know, do have the means to like spend the money, like it could have just been spent better. And so of course I was going down that rabbit hole. And then I also wrote, I have so many issues with my body and it's because of all the stress and trauma that I've been through and none of my friends deal with the shit the way I do and it makes me feel really alone because no one understands. Then I wrote, I feel super alone in this life even though I know people love and care about me but at the end of the day, my feelings and thoughts belong to me and no one can fix them but myself but sometimes they feel like they'll never get fixed and I don't know where to start. I said, how is it that I? it feels like I work so hard on my career, my health, my growth, yet there are so many deep cutting moments that feels like I've gotten absolutely nowhere. And that's what hurts the most. It makes me want to cry a little bit. I feel like a lot of people feel like that, though. You know, like when you just hit sure. that moment. I'm a journaler, dude. I, look at 
this is like not even that old and it's filled oh my god like so many pages like uh this isn't I mean I started this this year so (laughs) probably I mean no wait probably like November so not not I mean that's like I don't even if I read you some of my thoughts during activation you'd probably be like that's a different person like I think that the ability to express yourself especially in moments of activation like knowing that you're going to regulate but be having the ability to express yourself when you're feeling sad like oh my gosh this feels so lonely and like crying for yourself and allowing that that feeling to escape is so important so it's beautiful that you let it out it's beautiful that you say it um and then when you're regulated knowing that like having like a moment and be like oh she was such a sad girl that day. Like, like being able to be like, that's not me, like, like all the time. That's not truly how I feel. Or, you know, I know that deep down, like there are, there is a lot of support. I have a lot of resources, but being able to say when you are feeling like that, like, yeah, this sucks. Like I feel super lonely. Yeah. And you can like see in what I was writing that moment where safe me or that 90% of me, that's all, that's like, you got this. Like you've always gotten yourself out of tough situations. You can see that part of me in the writing. And on the other hand, you can see me being like, is there basically like, to me, it's like, is there, what the fuck am I doing here? Like this life is so hard and it feels like I don't even know where to start to feel better. And I think some of it comes from I'm like, could I have prepared for this moment better so that I didn't come crashing down like I did yesterday? It's like, could I have prepared myself for this? Or it's like, just feels like it comes out of nowhere and then all of your issues just arise. I think it's okay to allow like experiences like that. It just because you have moments of feeling lonely or defeated or hopeless does not mean that, you know, that is full reality all the time. That's are just moments where you feel that way. And, you know, in a, in a process of expansion, there will be moments where you feel that way. And so allow, giving yourself permission, permissionizing the experience to say, yeah, you know, sometimes I'm going to break down and, and that's totally okay because I know that's going to slingshot me into an awareness level about it or about where I'm going on the other side. That's like, so much more evolved and so much higher. Um, Number one, the whole thing about money, especially when it comes to health and when it comes to business is, um, well, health for sure. You either pay for your health or you pay for your illness. So, you know, you can spend the $300 on a hormone test and that way down the line, you know, you'll, you'll, God forbid, but like you won't, you won't have to pay for, you know, hormone treatment when you're trying to have a baby because you'll know what your levels are now at 26 and not when you're 33 or whatever. Like you either pay for, and that's, that's another reason, another way I explain an investment in a coach. It's like you pay for not only the prevention, but the improvement of yourself and the idea that the the knowledge, how to become self-sufficient in your health and in your life or you pay for doctor's bills when the symptoms manifest in a way that becomes illness. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's reckless or rash. I think it's um, it's pretty calculated. 
but yeah it can feel lonely for sure yeah I just think it sucks because I hate when there's moments when something should be a positive happy thing such as getting this hormone test done and being able to figure out all of these things but it's really upsetting to me in those moments when all of my stored thoughts and traumas turn it into something that's so negative because like my head went to I have so many issues and I don't know if it's from the hormones. I don't know if it's from trauma. I don't know. Like, and then I think about my anxiety and I'm like, I don't know if my anxiety, because what I should have said, if I reframed it is if I can get my hormones fixed, that's going to contribute to lessening probably a, a percentage of my anxiety and hopefully help alleviate some of the symptoms that I do deal with and things like that. And being able to regulate my emotions more instead of my hormones being all fucked up. But in my mind, it's like, you know, I think about why am I anxious all the time, you know? And then when I think about why I'm anxious, then I get all fucking pissed off because I'm like, oh, well, it's from, you know, my dad leaving. Or it's like, oh, it's from college and just the horrible experience. And then I get pissed off at that. And then, of course, I get to the point of like my dad leaving. And then I'm like, well, he was a huge reason why I have so much financial scarcity and the financial lacking mindset. And like that upsets me. And then I'm like so mad at everybody. And then it just leads to me absolutely spiraling out of my mind. And it's just, it all came from wanting to get this hormone test done. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, spiraling is really easy when you're activated. Me too. I'm no stranger to spiraling. I'm pretty, pretty fucking close with it. <laughs> um, and allowing myself to get sucked into the tornado and then just thinking that everything in my life sucks and everything is hard and can't do it. And, you know, like all of those feelings that come along with when you get sucked into the spiral, but also having the awareness and the ownership around there is a part of me that not likes, maybe likes, but is grateful for the adversity that I've faced because it's put me where I am. And so being able to have that duality of like god this is hard and like why is everything so hard and like and also you know like it's kind of made me a badass so <laughs> cool <laughs> you know like yeah. being able to say that and even in the moment being able to recognize even if you don't say it out loud it's like yeah all these all those things happened but like look at the type of person i am today because of it all um like yeah do you think that it's worth going through those really hard moments in order? Because I think something you feel like you're in the thought for so like you think it's forever. You're like, I can't really envision when I'm going to start to feel better about this because this is so deeply rooted. Um, but do you feel like it's like worth going through those dark moments to get to the good ones? Or do you feel like you should you could like avoid them by sitting like in a safe place of a version of you sitting through it and like working on it, you know? I think it depends on so many factors. It's really hard to say like, you know, whether or not experiences are worth it is almost something out of our control. It's the the more thing that that comes to mind is it's worth it to utilize it as a superpower. It's not worth it to go through something like make it worth it. You know, like don't go through something shitty and then allow it to just dictate the rest of your life um, as 
this event that made you some sort of victim in whatever way, right? Like allow it to be the fuel that motivates you to evolve into the higher person that you're meant to become. And so it's like, make it worth it. We all have the ability to decide for ourselves, like, do I want this to, how do I, what role am I wanting to play? What character do I want to play in my life in this, you know, in this lifetime? Do I want myself to be like, you know, the person who, the character who got trampled on and then like falls away and disappears and fades? Or like, do I want to be the come up story? Do I want to be the anti-hero? Do I want to be, you know, the person who's the main character, main character energy, right? Like what part of the story are you in? You know, because every good story, every good movie that you see, the, the main character went through some shit. Like you, the, the first scene is like zoomed into their tiny apartment. They're lonely and miserable. It's like, oh, shitty. And then the end of the movie, they're like happy and like rich. And you're like, yeah, cute. Like I want a come up story too. And then you're in your own come up story and you're like, God, everything's so hard. I just like can't do it, you know? Right. So it's like, make it worth it. Yeah, I think that's such a good way to put it because I feel like also it's inevitable that we're going to have moments like that where the world just feels really heavy and life feels really hard and you just everything kind of comes tumbling a little too too fast. But utilizing that as like a motivating factor to be like, I can overcome this. Like this isn't forever. It doesn't have to be, you know, and uh, I'm actually in the middle of a podcast episode right now. It's the one that I was referring to earlier where it was like, Uh, this guy, he's now like a New York Times bestseller and he's like a millionaire and super successful and does like TED Talks and stuff. But he basically how far I've gotten is he said that uh, his dad was like in a car accident to the point where like he can't remember like who anybody is, which is really sad. And then this guy who um, who's on the episode, he was saying that he was also supposed to be a professional NFL athlete and ended up having a really horrific incident and those two things happened at like the same time and so that was where he thought he was like gonna get his career and get paid a lot of money and then he that all came tumbling down so yeah he said that like he remembers that he was like sitting on the couch like super depressed at his sister's because he couldn't afford a place of his own and he was all sad and shit like that and you know financially broke and mentally broken all the things and then he was like this just can't be how my story ends like I just there was like a moment where he was like I just know I'm supposed to be doing more but I can't do more if I can't find inner peace and if I can't heal within myself first like how am I supposed to write a book about my story or how am I supposed to you know overcome all this shit and like make money if I can't ground myself first you know because obviously shitty things are gonna happen anyways so it's like if you can handle it better you can then become like more successful in like every area of your life you know totally yeah it's crazy but that's that's what I wrote man it was it was a dark day I really appreciate you sharing it and being vulnerable and to open up and and share it like I could I could share you some things but I don't know like I don't know if I'm, yeah, I don't even feel like I, I feel like I could, I feel like, you know, those are, it's so important to express yourself in those moments. Otherwise those emotions live in your body and that's an icky emotion to have trapped. 
you know, you want them out. You want that feeling of like, this sucks. This is lonely. Like why did you want that out? And then once it's out, you can be like, yeah, like that is part of this. That is the darkness and the contrast piece. Yeah. And so seriously. 